The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. Psalm 119, look at verse number 129. I'm not going to take any time this morning to talk about the 119th Psalm and the, the, the structure of it and all the importance of it. But I just want to focus your attention upon this particular section. Look at verse 129. The Bible declares for us, Thy testimonies are wonderful. Therefore doth my soul keep them. The entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. Look thou upon me and be merciful unto me, as thou usest to do unto those that love thy name. Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Deliver me from the oppression of man. So will I keep thy precepts. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant, and teach me thy statutes. Watch verse 136. Rivers of waters run down mine eyes, because they keep not thy law. You know, in the business of serving the Lord... Sometimes we forget that although salvation is an instantaneous thing, we know that at the very moment that we call upon the Lord and put our faith and trust in Him as our Savior, we are born again. We become a child of God instantaneously. But this business of walking with the Lord is a progressive thing. It's a matter of of building one upon another and upon another and upon another as we go through our Christian life. And I want us to take just a moment this morning and look at this section of Scripture that we've just read. There are some authors, commentators, and so forth that have made comment that the 119th Psalm and these verses that are before us form for us a chain reaction. Now, you know what a chain reaction is. Uh, Yesterday, I was sitting in the office, and I decided to look on the computer to find out what the world record domino uh, chain reaction was. Well, I found, now this was in 2022, so who knows, by now it may have been beaten, but a group of uh, of Dutch uh, people from uh, that part of the world Use 750,000 dominoes. Yeah. It took me almost 15 minutes to watch it. It was mesmerizing. As a matter of fact, about 50,000 of them did not go over, but over 700,000 did, and they set a world record. And again, it was almost 15 minutes watching the whole thing play out. When it was all said and done, I sat there and I thought, well, there's 15 minutes of my life I'll never get back. But it, it was just measure. I couldn't look away. Once those dominoes started falling, one and the other and the other and the other and the other, seven, over 700,000 of them. In this portion of Scripture, again, that's given to us, there is a bit of a chain reaction that takes place. It helps us to understand this whole business about growing and becoming what God wants us to be. I want you just to follow along with me very quickly, if you would, and let's notice some of the principles. In verse number 129, he begins by saying, Thy testimonies are wonderful, therefore doth my soul keep them. Can I suggest to you that he begins with wonder and he shows us that wonder, now listen to what I'm saying, that wonder leads to obedience. Again, it all begins with the psalmist confessing his wonder at the word of God. And and why wouldn't he stand in wonder of it? I mean, let's let's face it, we're talking about the book of books. We're talking about the greatest book that man has in his possession. We're talking about a book that was literally written by God. 
We know that it is a great book because of its source. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21, the Bible reminds us that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost, literally driven along to, to put down on paper the words that they did. We know again that Paul told us in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 16 <clears throat> that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Literally, God breathed. When we think about the source of this book, it is a wonderful book. But not only do we think about its source, but we also think about its power. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23, the Bible says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. We know that it is the book, the word of God, that points us to this matter of salvation and instructs us in how that we can know that we're saved. We learned this last Sunday evening as we were talking about the, the greatness of our God, the immensity of our God. We learned that, that God has revealed himself in nature. Romans chapter 1 teaches us that. God has revealed himself in nature. He's revealed his, 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 his deity and his Godhead in nature. But God has chosen to reveal his salvation only through his word. We can study nature and come to understand there is a God. It doesn't take a very wise person to look into the heavens and see what God has done and come to the conclusion there is a God. But it takes this book to direct us to the one that died for us and paid the penalty for our sins. So we find out that it's a, it's, it's a wonderful book because of its source. It's a wonderful book because of its power, being born again. But then I also suggest to you it's a wonderful book because of its precision. You want me to say that again? It's precision. In Psalm 19 and verse number 7, the Bible reminds us that the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And one of the things that you learn as you go through life is that, that the more precise a procedure, the more precise the instrument that you need. I, I think I might have shared this with a, a group here once before, but let's imagine that you've gone to your doctors and he said, listen, we've, we've run some tests and we found a tumor on your brain. And we have to remove that tumor. But we want you to understand that where it's located, that when we make the incision, that if we're off at least even by a, a millimeter, that you very well could become a vegetable or it might take your life. It's a very precise procedure. Well, if you're like myself, the first thing you are going to know is, well, what are you going to use to do that with? What kind of an instrument are you going to use? Can you imagine how you'd feel if the, if the, uh, the uh, surgeon were to look at you and say, well, here's what we're going to do. I've got a McCullough chainsaw at home. And I feel like I can make the cut with that chainsaw. I think I'd be looking for a different doctor, wouldn't you? The more precise the procedure, the more precise the instrument. There is no more precise procedure than the converting of the soul. And that's why the Bible reminds us again that the word of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. And then again, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful book, not only because of its source and because of its power, because of its precision, but also because of its scope. Look back at verse 128 here in the 119th Psalm. The Bible says, therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. And I hate every false way. The psalmist declared that all thy precepts concerning all things are right. Is there any wonder that the psalmist said in verse 129, thy testimonies are wonderful, wonderful because of their source, wonderful because of their power, wonderful because of their precision, wonderful because of their scope. But notice if you would, that his wonder leads to his desire to obey. 
Look at 129 again. Thy testimonies are wonderful, therefore doth my soul keep them. As a result of his being awed by the wonder of the word of God, the desire of his heart was to obey God. But now I want you to notice this. In verse 130, the Bible shows us that obedience leads to understanding. Now, did you catch that? Wonder leads to obedience. And obedience leads to understanding. Look at verse 130. He said, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. The Bible teaches us that God reveals himself from what the scriptures call faith to faith. It's a progression. God reveals himself here. When we respond to that, he reveals himself here and then here and then here and then here. And as we obey him, as we walk in his word, we understand more about God. Again, the entrance of thy words giveth light. You have your Bibles there in front of you. Go to the New Testament. Let me show you something over in the book of 2 Peter chapter 1. You've seen these verses many times before, but let me just emphasize something again. In 2 Peter chapter 1, look at verse number 1. The Bible says, Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now watch this. To them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and of our Savior Jesus Christ. So obviously we're talking about saved people here. We're, we're talking about folks that have been born again. They have obtained like precious faith with him. And then if you'll notice closely, the subject that he's dealing with is the knowledge of him. He says in verse number uh, two, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God. Now verse, down, in verse number three. He said, uh, according as his divine power has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us. And then verse 4, he says, whereby given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so we're talking about knowing God, the knowledge of him. And if you'll notice closely, he begins in verse number 5 to show us another progression. We're, we're talking about domino effects here. Here's another progression. He says in verse number five, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. I think it's interesting to notice that in verse number five, he mentions that we add. But back, back in verse number two, he reminded us that God multiplies. God does multiplication. We do addition. But we are to add to our life. And these are the things that he lists. Giving all diligence. Add to your faith virtue. Virtue knowledge. Knowledge temperance. Not, temperance patience. Patience godliness. Godliness brotherly kindness. And brotherly kindness charity. And notice the result, if you will, in verse number eight. For if these things be in you and abound, now watch it, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, that's what we're discussing here. We're talking about knowing him. I remind you again that obedience leads to understanding. We begin to, to know him. But he goes on and says in verse number nine, but he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he is purged from his old sins. Can I just suggest to you today that the reason why some people are in constant doubt about their salvation is because they're, they do not have any wonder at the word of God and they're not obeying what God is showing them in his word? The scriptures seem to teach us it's a progression. As we are stand in awe and wonder of his word, it, it gives us this desire to want to be, obey him. And as we obey him, then it leads to understanding. Then we begin to understand more about who God is and what God is doing in our knowledge. He talked about in 1 Peter chapter, or 2 Peter chapter 1. The knowledge of him comes as a result of our obedience. So here's what we've seen. We've seen, first of all, that wonder leads to obedience and that obedience leads to understanding. Now watch this in verse number 131. Understanding leads 
to a deeper desire to know God. In verse 131, he said, I opened my mouth and panted, for I long for thy commandments. The more he understood about God, the more he had a deeper desire to know God, the more he knew about him, the more he wanted to know about him. That little phrase where it says in verse 131 that I panted, uh, understand what he's talking about is someone that's panting for air. Have you ever been in a situation where you couldn't get your breath? I remember when I was a kid falling out of a tree one time and landing flat on my back, and as they used to, they knocked the air out of me. And then for a few seconds there, I was gasping, trying to catch my breath. And what a frightening experience that is. Maybe some of you have been in the water and uh, gotten too far down or you could not get back to the surface when you wanted to, and all of a sudden you're gasping for air. It's a frightening thing. We have to have air to exist, do we not? We have to have it. The Bible tells us that the psalmist's attitude was that when he began to understand about God, that he wanted to understand more and that he panted after him in verse 131. And he longed for his commandments. Understanding leads to a deeper desire to know, to know God. We crave what we need to exist. We crave food because we have to have food. To exist. We, tr- we crave water or fluids because we have to have those to exist. We crave air because we have to have air to exist. I wonder this morning if we crave the things of God. I have to ask myself that question often. Do we crave the things of God? Does it really eat at us when we're not able to get into God's Word, when we can't spend time with the Lord like we would like to do so? It's a progression. It's a progression. A wonder produces obedience. And obedience leads to a desire, uh, an understanding. And understanding leads to a deeper desire to know God. Can I show you one other thing? In verse 132 down through verse 135, he reminds us that a deeper desire to know God leads us to the place of prayer. In verse 132, he says, Look thou upon me and be merciful to me. There are four things that he mentions in these verses that he prays for. First of all, in verse 132, he prays for God's mercy. Do you see how this is all working together? As he is coming to understand and have a deeper desire to know God, it brings him to the place of prayer. You want to know why sometimes it's so hard for us to pray? It's because we don't have a desire to, to have a, a greater knowledge of God. We, we've, we're trying to jump if you will, ahead in this progression and all of a sudden become a great prayer warrior when we've not spent the time letting our heart get in tune with the Lord and be reminded of who God is and how much we need to walk with Him. But notice, if you will, again, as I mentioned, there is a prayer for God's mercy in verse 132. God knows that we cannot exist by justice. We need mercy. And He says in verse number 132, as thou usest to do unto those that love thy name. That little phrase, usest to do, is not familiar to us, but it simply means as is your custom. As is your custom. Do you understand? It is the custom of God to show mercy. In verse 133, the first part of the verse, he says, order my steps in thy word. He not only prays for God's mercy, he prays for direction. When we've tasted the good things of God, And God is doing a work in our life. 
And we don't ever want to go back to the way things were. We don't want to go back to the leeks and onions of Egypt, if you'll allow me to say it that way. We begin to get a taste of what it means to walk with the Lord every day. And our heart is moved and our desire is built. And we desire our fellowship, our walk with Him. And so we want to walk in His ways. We want to order our steps by His Word. But then in what verse one thir- or in the, last, the second part of verse 133, down through verse 134, he prays for deliverance. He said, order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Deliver me from the oppression of man, so will I keep thy precepts. He does not want to be dominated by iniquity. You remember, a part of the Lord's prayer was that we were to pray and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. You understand that ought to be a prayer of our lives every day, that God would help us to deal with the things that we're coming up against, and that God would give us grace and strength and help us to have that desire to walk with Him, not to walk with the world and the things of the world. So we found out that this deeper desire leads us to the place of prayer, and there in the place of prayer we pray for God's mercy, and we pray for God's direction, and we pray for His deliverance. But there's one other thing that he mentions, and that's God's favor. Look at verse 135. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant, and teach me thy statutes. When we're walking with God, we don't have to fear what man can do to us. When we're walking with God, we don't even have to be fearful of losing man's rewards, man's recognition, man's pats on the back, if you will. Because the thing that will matter to us the most, above all else, is the favor of God. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant. We know that oftentimes we make the statement that that one thing that we should be looking for is when we stand before him and we hear that phrase, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't think there's any way you and I can comprehend what that's going to be like in that day. I know sometimes we used to try to use illustrations of when you've excelled in sports and the coach says, well done, or uh, maybe in, in some academic realm and the teacher says, well done. But I don't think any of that even becomes close to what it's going to be like to stand in the presence of an eternal, holy God and have him look and say, well done. Didn't say you were perfect. And say you were sinless, because if that were true, none of us would stand in that day. But we stand there draped in His mercy and His grace. And we stand there knowing that we have served Him with our lives. And simply to hear those words, well done. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Can I show you one other thing? This is the end of the progression. In verse number 136, he says this. Rivers of waters run down mine eyes because they keep not thy law. Do you see what's happened here? It began with wonder. And that wonder led him to obedience. And his obedience then led him to a better understanding of the Word of God. And a better understanding of the Word of God led him to a deeper desire to walk with God. And that deeper desire led him to communion with God in prayer. Now watch this. And that communion in prayer led him to true compassion. 
What a great message Brother Sam Wilson brought in chapel yesterday, reminding us of the people, people that are lost in this world. And do you ever just get disgusted with yourself because you don't really have a burden for lost people like maybe someone else does? You ever just look at yourself in the mirror and say, what's wrong with you? What kind of idiot are you? What, are you cold-hearted? You have no, no compassion? But sometimes the problem is that we try, as I said earlier, to try to jump into one end of the pool without having swam the link. It's a progression. You don't develop compassion just because all of a sudden you decide you want to have compassion. You don't develop a concern for lost people just because all of a sudden somebody preaches a message and you say, I'm going to go out and be concerned about lost. That may last for a while. You may go out knock on a door or two and witness to a couple of folks at the mall or whatever, but it won't be long and you'll be right back where you were before. But if we come back and begin with the wonder of the Word of God, we stand in awe of this book that God's given to us. And as we let our mind wrap around the Word of God, it builds within us a desire to be obedient to God. We want to do His will. We want to do what God's directed us to do in His Word. We don't want to live in rebellion against Him. And as we obey Him, it produces an understanding. An understanding of His Word. Faith to faith. Faith to faith. God leads us along. We add to our faith. We add to it. And as that understanding becomes deeper, it presents a greater desire to know God. And that deeper desire to know God leads us to the place of prayer. And there in the place of prayer as we pray for God's mercy. We, we, we we pray for him to, to guide our steps. As we pray for him to show up favor, to shine his face upon us. The result is that it begins to develop within us true compassion for other people. And the psalmist said there, rivers of water run down mine eyes because they keep not thy law. He didn't say what a wretched bunch they are, what a wicked group they are. I wish they were like me. I, I wish they were different. No, he said, I, I weep over the fact that they keep not thy law. Rivers of water run down my eye. I, I, I weep because they don't know the truth, because they're walking in their own sin, because they're walking in their rebellion. If we want compassion in our lives, true Bible compassion, it'll only come as we one by one by one walk to the scriptures and let God do a work in our heart. Let him build within us this deeper desire to know God, this desire to spend time in prayer, this desire to be what God wants us to be. That's when God will be able to develop within us compassion that will compel us to love others and care for others far beyond just the conviction of perhaps one message that sent us out to knock on someone's door or far beyond just a little uh, guilt that we felt because we did not leave a track at a restaurant somewhere. But it'll fill us with a compassion for people, whoever they are, and wherever they are. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.